I woke up and I was like, I'm ready for a nap. Let's let's get back and relax. Uh, I hope and pray that you have all had a, a good week. It was nice and warm, right? The, the air is not hurting our faces anymore. So that's a major praise, right? You know, it is such a, a blessing to be able to come together, to gather together, to praise the Lord, to pray for one another. You know, we are called to live in the light. For the true light has come. And we hear this from the book of Isaiah. The Lord states this, I will make you as a light for the nations, that my salvation may reach to the end of the earth. That's an amazing passage spoken to the people of Israel. You know, and it comes and accumulates and comes all together as Jesus, the true light, comes out of the nation of Israel. From the very tribe of Judah, the Messiah comes to give light to everyone. Grace and truth come through Him, Christ Jesus our Lord, who came into the world. Through Him, we have grace and righteousness is given to those that trust in Him. Eternal life. God has offered this through His Son. And that those that accept the free gift have a family. They become a part of a a household, a community that we are now a part of. It is labeled in other areas as the body of Christ. And as the body of Christ, we have a calling upon our lives to come together and to, to be on mission together. See, together we are local representatives, right? You get to call, you know, and be a local representative. Extended car warranty? No, I'm okay, right? We are representing our Savior and Lord, telling others of the salvation found in Jesus alone. We are to be a community that is unique, right? Because we are not defined by our hobbies or good deeds or by this or that, but by this, as Paul talks about it in Galatians. He says, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. He goes on stating this, but let each one test his own work. And then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not his neighbor. For each will have to bear his own load. It's an interesting context, right? Because it's like, yeah, we do our own work, but we're also about bearing one another's loads. Right? Where we're not knowledgeable of everybody's things going on just to tell somebody else, but to pray to the Lord. It's an awesome and interesting thing that our community is built up to bear one another's burdens. And this is an awesome part, right? And fulfill the law of Christ. Just in that, right? I'm like, oh, cool. That's a little easy, right? (laughs) A little hard sometimes, too. You know, this is our opportunity, our obligation, right? You know, that we get to bear one another's burdens and not be about pleasing ourselves. You know, JFK says it right, rightly, right? Not ask what your country can do for you, but ask what you can do for your country. Right? It's the same thing here where it's like we don't, we don't just take from the church, but that we would invest in the church because we are the church, right? You know, I think that's, that's something that you know, kind of like comes in the way of it a little bit. You know, it's been addressed through the years, but you know, the, the body isn't the building, no, it's, it's living stones. It's all, it's all of us that are in Christ, that are bought by the precious blood of Jesus. We are defined as a spiritual house. Yet even today we say it, right? I'm, I'm going to church, right? Or I'm, I'm at church. You know, yeah, that's, that's awesome, right? We have a, a meeting place. It's a great blessing. 
But the focus should not be on the bricks, but the souls, right? Not, not thinking too highly of ourselves. I like how Paul talks about that, right? You know, humility is not thinking too less or too high of yourself, but knowing where we are, knowing who we are, knowing our giftings, knowing our callings, and being about serving each other. As fellow struggling saints, we walk in this life together. John, as he's gone on in his first letter, you know, hands us more and more assortments, right? Assortments of measuring sticks of here. How's your walk today? How's my walk today? How you doing? <laughs> right? Yeah. How is the rubber meeting the road, so to say? And a better question yet to throw in the mix, right? What is God wanting us to fix upon? What is God wanting us to set our minds upon? Because programs come and go, right? Things change, but people last forever. And they will enter into His glory, or they will enter into eternal horror and hell. They will either grow in grace and the knowledge of Him in the church, shine for Him as workmanship, or they will stand against the light and find only darkness. Let's open in a word of prayer before we turn to the Scripture. Father God, we thank you that though you give or take away, though things go up and go down, though things in life are full of hurts and pains, that we can say, blessed be the name of the Lord. That in Christ we can know that the Lord is my banner. He is my salvation and my song. You are, Lord. We thank you for today. We thank you uh, just for a fun time downstairs in Sunday school hour to have a fellowship Sunday and, and have a good time uh, just studying Bible trivia and having fun together. Lord, thank you for time to just lift up people in prayer. And we do lift up all the different surgeries, all the different situations going on. We pray for healing. And we pray for those that do not know you to come know you. A saving knowledge in Christ Jesus is the best thing there ever is to know that we are heaven bound no matter what happens in this life you are a God that keeps your promises throughout old ages and to all generations that trust in you and Father be with us in this time as we study your word thank you for this, this opportunity to open up scripture together uh, to study it and uh, just uh, rid us of distractions of, of things that happened last week, things that are going to happen this week, Lord, that we wouldn't be full of worries, but that we would fix upon you in this time. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Well, please uh, turn in your Bibles with me to 1 John uh, chapter 2. I feel like as we've walked more and more into this book, you know, those measuring sticks get a little bigger and a little longer and a little harder to swallow. <laughs> it's like, oh, you know, these are big doozies where it's just like, oh, yeah, you know, it's not so much about, you know, what's up here. It's about what's here, right? You know, how do I live the walk? You know, how do I walk the talk, right? It's a good one. I will start in uh, verses 7 through 14 today in chapter 2. Chapter 2 of 1 John. He continues, Beloved, I'm writing to you no new commandment, but an old commandment that you had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word that you have heard. At the same time, it is a new commandment that I'm writing to you, which is true in him and in you because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining whoever says he is in the light and hates his brother is still in darkness whoever loves his brother abides in the light and in him there is no cause for stumbling but whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. I'm writing to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven for his name's sake. I'm writing to you, fathers, because you know him 
who is from the beginning. I'm writing to you, young men, because you have overcome the evil one. I write to you, children, because you know the Father. I write to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I write to you, young men, because you are strong and the word of God abides in you and you have overcome the evil one. You know, the church community without people is like a sports game with no ball. Who's going to go, right? Might be nice and quiet and there won't be any problems, you know. <laughs> but who would watch a game like that? You know, we as the body of Christ are more than the buildings that dot our landscapes. We are those that rub shoulders with people that we work with. We are those that joke and laugh about the chicken of Israel, right? <laughs> That's a good one. It's a keeper. You know, we cry when we are hurt. All of that is life, life together. I think John as a father, as we've seen, as his fatherly letter just pours out as the Spirit prods him along of the inspiration of the Holy Spirit to write these words and pen them is that encouragement is the very best thing for a living organism, right? And we talked about a lot of movement. Movement is a part of life last week. Well, encouragement is a big part of life going forward as well, of rolling with the punches, Encouragement that we would hold fast in living together. John wants to encourage the church to hold fast, to know the world, to know the word, and to start and stay with Jesus. He starts in verse 1 stating this, Beloved, I'm writing to you no new commandment, but an old commandment that you had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word that you have heard. John wants to remind the church, right? Not of, not of something new, but of something they have heard time and time again. Something that we could easily take for granted or even you know, misplace, right? You know, in fact, it, it's, it stems all the way from Leviticus, right? Who, who likes reading Leviticus? It's a really good book, right? It's, it's amazing just to see how holy God is. That's the point of Leviticus is to show what has to be sacrificed, what has to be given. But in this book, we hear the Lord say this, You shall not take vengeance or bear a grudge against the sons of your own people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And then he clarifies why, why you need to listen to this. I am the Lord. Right? The people of God, be that the nation of Israel or the bride of Christ, are called to this to love their neighbors as themselves. Yes, we are we are different, right? We've we've clarified that through the years and everything that Israel and the church are different. But there's similarities. You know, one is a, a people awaiting the king and his kingdom. And the other is the bride and the body awaiting the bridegroom and the head. Each are called to this, to love. John goes on in verse 8. At the same time, it is a new commandment that I'm writing to you, which is true in him and in you, because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. You get to like verses in the Bible, you're like, oh yeah, that's good, man. <laughs> right? Yeah, that's a good one. It's so, so good. John wants the church to live in the light of the newness of life found in Christ Jesus. For he has brought that forth. He makes it clear in these words found in his gospel, actually. He states this: in him was life, right? In Christ was life. And the life was the light of men, and the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. And I like other versions stating, cannot understand it, right? Cannot comprehend it. 
darkness no longer has power. The sting of death is gone. The devil's kingdom is of air, right? That's what Christ tells, tells his followers of Satan. He's, yeah, he's the, the god of air. Like, ooh, that's a big kingdom, right? You know, it kind of just blows around. All of that is true because of the great victory in the cross of Christ. The true light shines and nothing can overwhelm him. For through Christ Jesus, God is bringing things, all things, back to himself and making, by making peace by the blood of Christ. This is great encouragement because we can, in Christ, cast off that which weighs us down. Paul states it like this. The night is far gone. Here's another verse, right? It's far, far gone. And the day is at hand. So let us cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. In the Lord, we are actually made children of light. We are called to, to walk in that light. We are not of night or of darkness, but we are children of the day. Jesus states it like this. I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Right? It's like the living water given creates this, this stream, this fountain of living water pouring forth in us the new creation. This is the call of the church to stand in the light and to point to the true light. John goes on in verse 9 stating this, Whoever says he is in the light and hates his brother is still in darkness. Here's the, the next measuring stick, right? It's a biggie. It's, it's the question of how do I deal with my brother and sister in Christ? If, if we have the light, does that mean I get a hall pass to be a meanie, right? Right? You know, it's like, oh yeah, you know, I got grace. Bam! <laughs> like, no, no, you got grace for a reason, right? The grace gives us a standard in which should be held in dealing with one another. The truth that John hands us here, as before has kind of been stated throughout the letter, is that hypocrisy is not welcome here. We cannot say one thing, believe one thing, and do another. We must be one thing. We must be about being a believer, a follower of Christ. All week, not just on Sundays or when it's convenient. You know, I always think about you know convenience and um, what's the thing when you do the right integrity. There we go, <laughs> doing the right thing even though no one is watching. It's always 9/11. The firefighter chief is running down one of the towers. I can't remember which one. And this you know lady in the walker is going, and he's you know just pouring past them and, and stops as God is watching and he stops and grabs her and goes and they actually that crew survives you know it's just one of those crazy stories from 9-11 but it's integrity it's it's oh, it's inconveniencing me but it's for the pleasure of the Lord it's for going forward and serving him no matter the consequences kind of like what we're talking in Sunday school with no reason to hide is standing standing for him which is a great study if and anyone is welcome to join us for those starting again next Sunday oh. now have you ever heard of the term Christian atheist it's an older one I think it's been replaced with cultural Christian right it's, it's the more newer term I was kind of like thinking about this I'm like yeah I looked up the book that it was you know written about the subject and it was actually 2010 so I was like well it was not that long ago I'm like oh man <laughs> yeah but the subtitle says it all of kind of like the the cultural Christian and all these other things that have still been talked about and and everything but the subtitle talks about it in believing in God but living as he doesn't exist you know and it's just like whoa 
you know, that's kind of a, you know, face value of it. You know, it's like, yeah, I say one thing, but I, I do another. John points to the church and says, don't just believe it, live it. You know, as we heard Warren Rearsby say, is that God doesn't just want the talk. He wants the walk. It's a big part of 1 John, of, of living the life. John goes on in verse 10 stating this, Whoever loves his brother abides in the light, and in him there is no cause for stumbling. It's like it's a huge measuring stick. It's like, how do you measure up to that? And then, But it's like, hey, you kind of get past it, and look at that awesome blessing. And we are called not just to walk with Jesus, but to walk together with Jesus. As we've seen before, is that very few New Testament letters are written to a single individual. But they are actually written to the Church of Rome, the Church of Corinth, the Church of Ephesus. Right? It's together. The fellowship is of great importance to John and great importance to the body of Christ. You know, we hear it from the first chapter of 1 John. He stated this back in verse 3. That which we have seen and heard, we proclaim also to you, so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Christ Jesus. And first and foremost, Christianity is a community that has this amazing common thread running through it. Running through all the disagreements that we can have. You can look back at church history and see all of them. You can look now and see all of them. And that's on this side of heaven. You know, people are going to have different perspectives and, and think things differently. But we have the truth that Jesus, God in the flesh, came here and was here among us. He lived a perfect life, died in our place, paying our debt that we could never pay, and arose victoriously from the grave on the third day. And by Him, we have fellowship with God. Because of the precious blood of Jesus, we have peace with Him. And one study Bible said it like this, A restored relationship with God produces a right relationship with others. Uh, please turn in your Bibles with me to Matthew. Matthew chapter 22. We'll be in uh, verses uh, 37 to 40. The, the question is, what is the greatest commandment? Right? And in verse 37, Jesus states this, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And the second is like it. And you shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depends all the law and the prophets. Right? The, the simple answer, the bumper sticker, right? I don't know if you've ever seen it, but it says love God and love people. That's the summary of it all. The law and prophets hang upon that summary. It's the whole of it. And the truth of it is actually, it points to the Ten Commandments. It's in fact, what they are all about is the first ones are all about right relationship with God, and the other ones are about right relationships with each other. How we, how we interact with God and then how we interact with each other. One study Bible states it like this. This one kept on, you know, taking out the shots and like dunking it, man. But I was like, yeah, this is true. You know, a true Christian cannot profess to love God without pursuing authentic and enduring relationships with others. Like it kind of stings sometimes, right? You're like, yeah, <laughs> but it's this is the biblical standard. The body of Christ doesn't doesn't look like the world, right? But has this laid before them? My brothers, show no partiality as you hold 
the faith in the Lord Christ Jesus, the Lord of glory. And we're not to be the, the high school cafeteria, right? Where, you know, this group sits there and that group sits there. No, the divides are gone in Christ. Paul states it like this. You are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens, right? Fellow citizens with the saints and the members of the household of God. We are members of the same household. Though our, our hobbies different, our work life is different, this or that might be different, it shouldn't be in the way of the one. The one who is about building us together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. In Christ, this, this happens. You know, the, the question back, kind of shooting back to that quote from James is, you know, partiality. You know, what, what is partiality? Partiality is defined as an unfair basis in favor of one person compared with another. It's favoritism. It's what, it's what Jacob did to Joseph and all the other brothers were like, well, fine, you know, we'll kill him. They're like, whoa, bad idea. Let's not have favoritism, right? You know, it's like, like it's a good example because it really happened. And notice this isn't talking about having healthy boundaries, right? Healthy boundaries are, are something that we all need. You know, we might share something more with another person. We might have someone that we call for prayer or call for different advice and everything. But the church, the group brought together by their love for Christ Jesus, have a household calling to love one another. Verse 10 of 1 John chapter 2 says it all. Let's hear it again. Whoever loves his brother abides in the light, and in him there is no cause for stumbling. This made me remember that you know, in Bible college, the first year of Bible college, I had some pretty bad run-ins with one of the one of the guys, and it was it was hard. One of the uh, counselor guys sat us down and it's like, hey, you two need to just pray for each other. And I was like, oh, okay. And he said, well, it's kind of hard to hate someone that you're lifting up to the Lord. I'm like, oh man, that's so true. And like, you know, it, it hits a nail on a head. You know, it's like, you got, you got something going on here. You need to lift it up to the Lord. Because it's a cause for stumbling. Now, this is a, a measuring rod set before the church, a standard before us, before the body, the household. Are we loving one another? Are we abiding in the light? Or do we, or do we act like the world and wonder, what's, what's happened? I mean, just read Corinthians, right? They're like, woo, party hard here. And they probably wondered, you know, what's, what's happening here? Uh, not good, right? They got a couple letters of heart. They didn't get Galatians standard. They got most of it, but they didn't get, you know, they got introductions and greetings and everything. Galatians didn't even get in, an introduction or a greeting. They just got told, stop it, right? But those are what the letters are for, to tell us, hey, we're off course. We need to come here. We need to do this. In verse 11, John writes this. But whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. Now the choice is clear. Light or darkness, love or hate. John likes drawing these huge, bold lines through the book. Like this is the difference between us and the world. Choose your side, right? Which do we choose? You know, if we have a hard time with our brothers and sisters in the household, do we pray for them? Do we love upon them? Do we, or do we do this? Do we let the gaping hole of disunity come into the community? And turn with me and your Bibles to Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 4. This isn't in the study notes, but this was one that as I was reading through this and getting ready, I was like, it just impressed upon me that this is, this is a huge thing that Paul talks about, is unity. And he states this starting in verse 1 of chapter 4 of Ephesians. 
It says, Therefore, prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of your calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love. And then verse 3 is the one that stood out. Eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Right? It's, it's there. It's that, that cord of you know, what we have. You know, might have our denominational differences, our different views and everything, but there's this, this crimson cord, right, to quote the song, that runs through the body of Christ. That if you believe upon Christ, you're my brother, you're my sister. And how do I, how do I treat you matters in the household of God? You know, and the, the huge thing about, about it is, well, why is unity such an important thing? Because we need to always remember that there is an enemy. There is one who is seeking to destroy. Peter tells us very clearly to be sober-minded, to be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. You know, that brings about questions of how we view life. You know, how you know, do we view life as a playground or a battleground? Because if we understand that there is someone who wants only to steal, kill, and destroy, who does not want us to love one another, who does not want us to be on mission with one another, then it should change our perspective upon the conflict of this present age, this this present darkness. John continues in verse 12 and I, I love this whole section these, these couple verses is just such it's just such an awesome blessing of, of what he's pointing out but he states I am writing to you little children right there it is again right he, he writes to the little children because your sins are forgiven for his name's sake and John wants the church to know this. He, he writes to the church, to the children of the household of God, because in Christ Jesus, whoever has believed upon the Son has forgiveness. They have light, life, and hope, and all the more, right? In Christ Jesus, God has blessed us with, with what? Right? Everything. All the spiritual blessings. He has seated us in the households of the heavens. It's finished. You come... And you're done, but you're not there yet, right? It's a, you know, it's, it's fun. Justification is there. You're united with God through Christ Jesus. This book is about communion with God and walking with God and walking with each other in life. He wants to encourage the children to live in the household as the new creation in Christ that they are, as the workmanship of God through Christ Jesus that they are. Verse 13 states this, I am writing to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I am writing to you, young men, because you have overcome the evil one. And I write to you, children, because you know the Father. John addresses the family. That no matter if we've been a part of the household for 10 minutes or 80 years, we have this encouragement before us. Because we have the truth of knowing Him who is from the beginning. We in Christ have knowledge of God. We have His revelation, His, His breathed out word. We have His love. In Christ we can take heart that we can overcome evil by grace in Christ. Not just overcome the evil out there somewhere in the darkness, but overcome the evil that's even within us. We all know the Father. And Jesus said it like this to his disciples. If you had known me, you would have known the Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. How cool is that, right? And we look into the Gospels and we see Christ. We, we see a perfect imprint, right? Same thumbprint, same identity, same nature as the Father when we look upon Jesus. John stated it like this as he's introducing his Gospel. No one has ever seen God. The only God who is at the Father's side, He has made Him known. Christ Jesus 
has made him known. And that's what Christianity brings forth. It's not a not a list of do's and don'ts. It's not a message of jump higher, try harder, be better, or try this for five easy payments of 1999. No, it brings us into an abiding relationship with God. An abiding fellowship with the Almighty. It is by resting and trusting and standing in the grace of God by the finished work of Christ Jesus upon the cross. I heard it said, said, say, making up words today. I heard it said that religion is telling us a bunch of do's. Do this, do that, pray this way. But Christianity is totally different. It tells you what's been done. Rest in it, for it is finished. Rest in what Christ has done. And even then, as we've seen before throughout our study so far, is that even our walk is still by choice and grace, by resting in Him, by abiding in Him, right? You know, there's the unity factor. Justification's not going away, but we need communion. We need that. To abide in Him. John writes this in verse 14. I'm writing to you, fathers, because you know Him him who is from the beginning. I write to you, young men, because you are strong, and the Word of God abides in you, and you have overcome the evil one. John writes to children, to fathers, and to young men. He writes to the family, to the household, telling us of our knowledge of whom we know, that in Him, in Christ Jesus, we are more than conquerors, that the Word abides in us. Well, why does He write to the family, right? Because if you attack and destroy the core of something, it will not stand. It cannot stand. If the foundations are gone, what will the righteous do is what the psalmist asks. Then the next verse is looking to the Lord. So there's the answer right there in the context. You look to the Lord. Even if the foundations are gone, you look to the Lord. But if there are no children, then there are no young men. And if there are no young men, then there are no fathers. And the household is left with wondering why. And we may or, or could think upon this problem as, well, that's, that's not mine. You know, that's not mine to deal with. You know, we could go about our day and have our daily devotions, pray and, and live life. But when the rubber meets the road, if we don't care for the household, we should not expect it to flourish. We should see that Jesus has love and care for anyone, inside or outside of the household. That to those outside of the household, he offers redemption, freedom from sin, and from darkness. He offers life and light. And to those inside the household, he offers relationship, an easy yoke, and so much more. We should not forget these words found in the book of Revelation. It states this, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and eat with him, and he will eat with me. This verse, time and time again, has and still is used as an evangelistic verse, but in the context, it's actually written to the churches, the seven churches of Revelation. Some of those churches most likely heard the book of 1 John and were, you know, encouraged and urged along to be about this. But at Revelation, they're told, no, your lampstand's going to be taken away. Your light's going to fade. Because they were off missions. They had lost their first loves. They thought they were rich, but they were actually poor. You know, they were hot and cold. They were lukewarm. They needed to be one or the other. They had barred the door. And Jesus was knocking a church. I'm like, whoa, that's crazy, right? 
That's people that are justified freely and forever, and yet their communion is off kilter. They're leaning upon their own understanding and not leaning upon the Lord's understanding. But Jesus was knocking. Let us not do the same. Let us hear His voice, and as the King James puts it, and let us sup with Him. You know, John's letter is, uh, this first one is full of practical things. Big old measuring sticks that are like, woo, how do we measure up to that? By grace, right? By grace. But these are practical things that we can put in order to be the household of God that wants us to, that God wants us to be. You know, each, each local body is going to look different. There are going to be different people, different programs, different studies, and the like going on. But the awesome thing is that the measuring rods, the measuring sticks of the church, do not change from Scripture. They stay the same, right? The standard is, is there. Now the two verses, well, there's a few verses that stuck out into my mind as I, as I was thinking about this subject. If there is anywhere to start, if we have questions on that of like, what shall I do in this situation? It's found in Romans 12. And please turn in your Bibles with me to Romans 12. Which, yeah, that's, that's another plug. There's Sunday school, and then there's also our Bible study. Right next Sunday night will be the next one. And we're going through Romans 5, and it's been really good. We'll get to Romans 12 in like three years. <laughs> <laughs> but this really stood out to me as well, uh, as much as Ephesians did as well. But the first two verses in Romans 12 state this, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God. Right? It's, it's by the mercies of God. The church lives life by the mercies of God to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Right? We're not dead on the altar. Right? No, we're a living sacrifice. I think one commentary put it the, the hard way is, is staying on the altar. You know, we're living, so we tend to slither off every once in a while. <laughs> it's like, no, we want to go do this. You know? But this is what we're to be about. Do not be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing, renewal of your minds, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Now our walk is by the mercies of God. Our being a living sacrifice is by the mercies of God. That we are not to be of this world. No, we are transformed by the very word of God, the breathed out love letter to the world by God. Paul goes on talking about how we should use our gifts for the body. And then he comes to this in verse 9. And it's been one of those verses that I've you know, studied and, and looked at from time to time because it's, it's a good one. It's, it's what we're called to. Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. You know, it always makes me think of you know, the... The catchphrase, fake it until you make it, right? You like that one? I've never really liked it. No, we're, we're called to not fake it until we make it. No, we are called to be genuine, to be real, to be authentic. Yeah, there's other parts of the church that are like, oh, that means to be raw and share everything. I'm like, whoa, dude, no. Like, you know, yeah, share, but don't overshare. About those healthy boundaries again, right? <laughs> you know, we're to be authentic. Paul goes on saying this about to love and to show honor to one another, to have zeal, to serve the Lord and to bless those that persecute you, all this and more. It's a really good chapter. I highly suggest it. And then he comes to this in verse 18, which stands out about that whole loving our brothers and sisters in Christ part. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Like, it's got to be in there, right? <laughs> it's like, okay. But the measuring rods are there to show us what we ought to do. The context is great, right? Verse 17 states this, to not repay evil for evil. 
verse 18 states this, or sorry, not verse 18, but verse 19 after 18 states, do not avenge yourselves. This verse is surrounded by the truth that God will judge the household. God will judge the body. Now, it's not a judgment of heaven or hell, right? That's set. We're in Christ. We're justified. That's not going away. Communion and union is a different thing. He will go through and we will give an account of how we've treated one another, how we've done this or done that. It's called the Bema Seat of Christ where the body stands before our Lord. So we hold fast to the truth that God will judge and we know that His judgment will be fair and true. So when we are in that, right? You know, I, I came up with a saying lately that, you know, the old adage is like, well, I'm in between a rock and a hard place and, you know, the rock is mobile, right? At least I think that's what it meant. Did, did anyone else take it like that? That the hard place you can't move from, like it's just there. It's not going anywhere. Where the rock you can kind of like, and sneak around it. Yeah? No? That's just this guy? Okay. <laughs> But I thought about that for a time. It was like, you know, sometimes life is a hard place and a hard place. And it's like you got nowhere to go. There's no wiggle room. So what do you do? Well, you cling to the rock that is in Christ Jesus. You cling to Him and you lean upon His understanding and seek His peace that surpasses all understanding. Totally lost my place. But, <laughs> but the choice is clear in that. You rest upon the rock. You rest upon Christ who loves all and live in peace with those inside the household and outside the household as far as it depends on you. That's where, that's where we start. You know, some people are, are unpleasable. I'll give them that. You know, They can have their space over there somewhere. <laughs> but as far as it depends on us, we are to love God and to love others for this reason that the love of God may be seen and heard now it's a you know, great thing to be a part of a church to be a, a church community and I, I thought about this for a time that you know we all have our fires in life right we have you know family to care for we have laundry to do and you know, it's just going to stay in the hamper, but at least it's clean, right? You know, and we have all these different little things that we have going on. But why are we called together? And then I thought about it. What Jesus talks about in the Sermon on the Mount is that you will be this city on a hill. You'll be this light set on a basket, shining for all. And like the church is this visible representation, this visible representative, right? Hello. <laughs> Jesus calling, right? To show the world. This is who God is. This is what the body is about. And that isn't easy, but it's a good heart, right? There's another one that I came up with lately. The other thing is that we all need to come together and stoke that fire. You know, it, it can't be one person or, or one family or one somebody. It has to be together to, yes, you know, tend our fires, do our responsible thing, you know, to care for our families as Scripture talks about. But as we come together and we soak that fire together, how cool and amazing that blaze is, right? Up in Custer, South Dakota, they have this thing called the beetle burning. And I've seen epic pictures. They build this beetle, this huge wood pine beetle out of, out of wood, and they set the thing on fire. It's cool. Some of our friends have moved up there. I'm like, what is this? And then I saw pictures. I'm like, I want to go. <laughs> like, but how amazing that blaze is. The whole town comes out. Custer's not that big, but you know, the whole town sees it. You know, that's, that's the thing about the visible representation of the church is that the whole town, the, the nations, everyone sees it. And Jesus states, that the world will know that you are my disciples by your love for one another. Uh, they'll know it. They'll know it. So let us tend the fire together. Let us come together. And that's uh, one opportunity that I wanted to close with is that our, our love of God banquet flyers are back. They don't have any misspellings like, you know, the chicken of Israel in there or anything, but that, you know, this is an awesome opportunity to, you know, walk up to a neighbor, you know, knock on the door and say, hey, you know, I've been thinking about you and I just wanted to invite you to this. 
You know, that's that's our opportunity before us as a church. There's opportunities to go and outreach, you know, to knock on doors together. And if anyone's willing, you know, I'm I'm here. You know, we're all here and we can take time together to go and do it and to just love upon our community and love upon the world together. So let's uh, let's close in a word of prayer. Father God, we we thank you for today. We thank you that your mercies are new every morning. We thank you that by the mercies in Christ Jesus as a new creation, we can walk forward. That we don't have an advocate to go and sin all the more, but that we have an advocate that when we do stumble, when we do stumble, when we do you know, make bad choices, that we can run back to you, Lord. That we can go further in and further up as we saw last week. That we can build up in love and good deeds, that we can build up in the knowledge of God and know you all the more throughout the thick and thin of life, the ups and downs, no matter what's going on, that we can know that we have a high priest that we can come to and receive grace and mercy in our times of need to bear one another's burdens and to be a community come together to set that fire ablaze, to stoke the fire, to show the world you. Not to point at, oh, look at our good church, but to know, to point at, look at our good and great God who has had grace upon us sinners. And that is an amazing message that, as they say in the book of Acts, turn the world upside down. Help us just to love upon souls throughout this next week. Lead us and guide us, Lord, in your wills and way to know what we ought to do as we walk in this life. Thank you, Lord, for this time. Thank you for your word. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.